Welcome to Bible study. It's good to see you tonight. Glad you're here. I'm going to take a little bit and pray, and then we're going to look and see and listen for what God has to say to us tonight through the scriptures. So let's pray. Father, thanks for the uh, opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus. We thank you for uh, just the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, for understanding, revelation, for teaching. We thank you for the opportunity to uh, be in your presence. We thank you for the opportunity to uh, open our ears, our hearts, our minds, our eyes, and direct them toward you. We pray, God, that you'd fill us with knowledge, understanding. Fill us, God, with revelation. Fill us, God, with your presence tonight. I pray that there would be things in us that would be moved, uh, that we would allow you to move our hearts. We'd allow you to move us on the air, spirit, we would allow you, God, access to who we are and to that, God, we would respond to you tonight. I just pray that tonight just wouldn't be just another meeting, but this would be a time where we hear from you, a time where we encounter you, a time, God, where we spend some time with you. So have your way. I pray, God, that we're open, receptive, and I just ask you, Lord God, that you be glorified through this time. Um, ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Reminder uh, for our podcast listeners that we have an interactive feature with Bible study, and that is through a website at www.speakpipe.com. That's S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E dot com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. You go there to that webpage, and there's a button that you can toggle, and you can leave us what would appear to be a voicemail. And we'd love to hear from you. could be just saying hi, or maybe you have a question about Bible study, or maybe you have a comment, or you just want to tell us where you're from. But we'd love to hear from you. could be something good God's doing in your life. So drop us a line, uh, leave us a message, and we'll endeavor to play that at our next Bible study. If you have your Bibles, uh, let's turn to the Gospel of John. John chapter 12. I need a volunteer to read verse 29. John 12, 29. When the crowd heard the voice... Some thought it was thunder, while others declared that the angel had spoken to him. All right, thanks. Uh, this is a section of the scripture where uh, there was interaction going on between Jesus and the crowd. And, and Jesus had said something uh, during the interaction where he said, then uh, he asked the Father to be glorified. And so the Father responded to him, but the way that he responded to him was out loud. And uh, he says, Father, I want you to glorify your name. And the father responded to what Jesus said. And he said, I both glorified it and will glorify it again. I mean, he said it out loud. And so there was a bunch of people standing around 
referred to as the crowd or the multitude, was standing around and they heard this or they heard something. And so what you read in verse 29 was their response to it. That some people had said, well, it thundered. And then other people said, well, an angel spoke. But that was about all we hear from that. And so it was interesting to me that as you look at the passage of Scripture and you see what's going on here, you've got everybody in the same place pretty much. you got the same voice from heaven speaking, and yet in the same place, at the same time, with the same voice, you've got different people hearing different things. And it's not just one person hearing something different, but it's groups of people that are hearing different things. And if you go into verse 30, look at the next verse. You see something, Jesus says something there. He says that that voice that when the Father spoke there, that was for our sakes. That wasn't for his sake. And, and he makes that clear in verse 30, that's for our sake. And so there must be something, as far as I'm concerned, something instructive about that voice. There's something instructive about that, that moment, if it's for our sake. Not just the fact that God spoke, God speaks. Not just the fact that God was communicating, the Father was communicating with the Son. He'd been doing that the whole time. But there was something instructive about what happened there. And I believe there's something instructive about people's responses to what happened there, too. And so you look at the crowd, and it's interesting that Jesus had a bunch of different people following him, and they were following him for different reasons. Uh, you had the disciples, the 12, who they were the ones that were called they're the ones that Jesus was pouring his life into. They're the ones that were with him all the time. You had the women that also went with him everywhere, and they helped to take care of him and helped take care of the disciples as they traveled, and they supported the work of the ministry through their means. And then you had the 72, which the 12 were part of. And so the 70 or 72 were another group of disciples that were following after Jesus. We know that because he sent them out uh, to do work and to do ministry in his name. And so you got the 72. And we know at the end there was 120 that were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. So there were those, and they must have been closer to Jesus than some of the others. But then as you expand past that, you have the multitudes. And the multitudes followed Jesus for various reasons. After he fed the 5,000, the 4,000, they were following him because they wanted to be fed. We know that because it says that. You look in John chapter 6 and you see that. Or there were those that followed after him because they wanted to see some miracle or some sign. He also said that. There were Pharisees and there were Sadducees that were following after him that were trying to catch him in something, trying to make him look bad. Then there were other people that needed to be healed and so that they were following after him so that they could be healed. And then there were just people that were curious. And, and I don't know if you know this, but crowds gather out of curiosity, right? And so there were those that were curious. They just wanted to see what was happening. They wanted to see what was going on. 
And they were curious to see what Jesus was going to do next, what he was going to say. What outrageous thing was Jesus going to say next? What outrageous thing was he going to do? And so you had this multitude of people, and it was mixed. Like I said, it went from the 12 that were dedicated, at least 11 out of them were, to the support staff that were going around with him, to the 72, to the 120, to the multitude. And they were all there for their reasons. You had the Pharisees, you had the rest of the multitude, all there for whatever reasons they were going to be there for. And so they had gathered, and what's recorded here is kind of interesting, because the person recording this must have been there. And you can assume that because he's sharing the thoughts in time of the people that were there, right? He's sharing the thoughts of the crowd. He's sharing the thoughts of the multitude. What's the thoughts of the multitude? Well, some of the multitude thought it thundered. Okay, so that was one group of people. So they heard something, but they didn't recognize it as a voice. They looked at it kind of as a natural phenomenon. And so that was one group of people. You had a second group of people that they heard a voice, but they couldn't understand the words. So in other words, there's a voice, there's something going on, there's words being spoken, but I can't understand them. And the idea you get from that is be like uh, if you're far away from somebody and you can see that they're speaking or hear that they're speaking, but you can't quite make out the words. You're too far away. Or maybe there's interference, like, like there's too much noise going on. You know, sometimes when I'm training people, there's really bad music playing where I work. And so when the really bad music is extra loud, then sometimes they don't hear me when I say something like stop or something, you know. Like I, to me, I give a, like a simple command like stop, but it's hard to hear because it's so loud and the music's so bad. It's distracting. And so whatever the reasons, that's, that's the kind of idea. It's like they heard a voice, but they couldn't understand the words. And then there was another group of people that actually understood the words. They actually understood what was being said. They heard it, they heard the voice, and they understood the words. And so these are the people that were there within their groups. And you have the writer of the gospel, John, that he's telling us these are the thoughts of the people at the time. So this is fresh. This is a fresh observation. This is a, a fresh insight as to what was actually happening there. Now, I want you to think about what can you learn from that for your life? I mean, just for a second. You think about where you're at, where you've been at in your life when it comes to Jesus. When you're far away from Jesus, and now that you're closer to Jesus, but you think about, it's like, well, <clears throat> would you have been as aware of the moving of God around you before you knew Jesus? What do you think? Probably not. And, and he might have showed up a bunch of times in your life, but you just didn't see it, right? You didn't hear it. It was something that was happening around you, but you weren't able to discern it. And what's important about that 
is that you keep that in mind when you start to think about it's like, well, you know, the the interaction that you have with God throughout your life. Because if we think about that, like I think back to when I was a kid, and this is hindsight, but when I was a child, I used to get dreams. And, and God would speak to me through the dreams. But I didn't know it was him. Now that I look back on it, it seems really obvious that it was him. It seems really obvious <coughs> that that was God speaking to me, that God was bringing revelation to me through those dreams. But at the time, I, I couldn't see it or I couldn't understand it. And I can remember one night, I woke up in the middle of the night, I had a dream. And my grandfather, I was in the room with my grandfather, and when I woke up in the middle of the night, my grandfather's like, well, what's happening? You know, like he asked me if I was okay, because I sat up in bed, you know. And I said, yeah, I'm all right. And and I told him, I said, well, this is what happened. This is my dream. And I kind of remember the dream even now. And that was a long time ago, like a long time ago. And so I told him part of the dream. And And my grandfather, he just said, now you need to remember this. And you need to cherish this. You need to cherish this in your heart. And he's like, and you need to recognize when you have these dreams that this is the Holy Spirit. This is God speaking to you. See, my grandfather could see it. I couldn't. And looking back, even after he said that, I can remember not even thinking about it like that again. And I continued to have dreams. I continued to have things that would happen to me. And this is all a long time before I ever came to know Jesus. These were just revelation. These were things that God was doing in my life years and years before I ever came to know Jesus. But I couldn't see it that it was him. Even with somebody telling me directly, I still didn't recognize it. It was only after I came to know Jesus, only after years of, of, of really reading the scriptures, understanding how God works, and understanding the ways that, that, that God works in my life, that I began to look backwards and say, you know what? He was speaking to me then. He was speaking to me then. He was warning me about this then. He was telling me about this then. And I began to see a pattern of God caring for me. And I want to encourage you to think about that. Because at the time, you may not see it. At the time, you may not have whatever it is you need to discern that. But it doesn't mean that God wasn't speaking. It doesn't mean that God wasn't actually bringing revelation in your life. It doesn't mean that God wasn't taking care of you because he was. But you probably just couldn't see it. You couldn't hear it. You couldn't perceive it for what it was. And, and as you pray and as you really look back a little bit, I, I think you might be surprised at all the times that God loved you. And he showed you that. You might be surprised in all the instances that he showed up when you needed him. And so I encourage you to, to take a little retrospect into that. In this particular case, uh, the, the passage here says that some thought it was thunder. Now, well, they thought, but they were mistaken. And I'm going to use this opportunity to tell you this again. Just because you think something doesn't mean it's right. I'm just going to use it as an opportunity. One more time. All right? Some thought it was thunder, but it wasn't. They were wrong. 
And we're wrong all the time about stuff. And, and to be able to understand that, to be able to admit that, to be able to, to really live in that, it's just, just because I think it doesn't mean it's right, is to leave ourselves in a position to learn and to grow and to change our minds about things. Because it's okay to change your mind about stuff. It's okay to be wrong about things. Because it's going to happen. We're going to be wrong. And and the mistake when you're wrong is to spend any amount of effort trying to defend that. See, that's the mistake. How much effort? Any amount. Even a little bit. You're going to spend a little bit of effort. That's a mistake, man. That's terrible. Why? Why do we need to defend something that's wrong? We don't. We don't. I mean, does it really make you feel any better to do that? No. It doesn't. It doesn't. Because you still know you're wrong. And, and you can win the battle like you win an argument with somebody about something. But is it really true or does it really matter? No. It's just be wrong. Be wrong and learn something new. Learn something different. Let, let somebody educate you. Let the Holy Spirit educate you. Let that person that God sends into your life educate you. Let somebody speak into your situation something maybe you didn't think before. Because it's okay. You don't have to be right all the time. And I know some of you, and I guess, you know, getting into the psychology of it, you're berated as children. A child, man, you told you were stupid or something like that. So you feel the need that you have to defend every perspective, even if you know it's wrong. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your energy on something that doesn't matter. Because that situation that you're defending against passed a long time ago. That little kid that was hurt by that is a lot older now and is no longer a little kid. It's okay to let go. And and others, you know, there's other situations like that. Could be anything. All I'm getting at is that we can be wrong and just because we think it doesn't make it right. So there's some people, they were like, okay, well, it was thunder. All right, then the other people that heard the voice of the Father said, well, it's an angel. They were wrong too. So you had two people that were at different levels of this. You got one, they heard something, but they couldn't discern it even was a voice. They just heard a noise. And so they said, well, it must have been thunder. Wrong. Then you had another group of people, they heard, okay, it's a voice, but I don't know what they're saying. All right, that's the second group. Oh, it must be an angel. Well, they're wrong too. So both of the groups of people that are mentioned here were wrong. That second group talking about the angels, they were likely Pharisees because the Pharisees believed that that was the only way that God would communicate with people is through angels. That's what they believed. And so if God was communicating, if the Father was communicating with Jesus or communicating with the people that were around there, if that's what he was doing, because they couldn't discern the voice, but if that's what he was doing, it must be an angel. 
because that's what we believe, that's what the rules say, and that's how God has to do things. Well, wrong. They were wrong. They thought that. They had every thought in that. Man, they even believed that, and they were wrong. It's okay to be wrong. And so you got these two groups of people, some thinking it's thunder, some thinking it's an angel or whatever, and it's kind of interesting that that second group, they recognized it was a voice more than it was nature or man. So in other words, they knew it was something supernatural. But the other group, <coughs> mainly because probably it was an unexpected sound that they heard, they were confounded by it and likely amazed. And so they attributed it to a natural cause. Okay, this is the other area where we miss God is when we're not expecting anything. If you don't expect God to speak to you, and he does, you're probably going to miss it. I'm just saying. I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not saying you're unspiritual. I'm not saying any of those things. All I'm saying is, if you have zero or no or low or hardly any expectation that God is going to speak, if that's your expectation, if that's what it is, you're likely going to miss him. Just like these people. Because it was easier for them to attribute that thing that surprised them, easier to attribute that thing which shocked them, that thing which confounded them and amazed them. It was easier to attribute that to a natural cause than it was to believe that God had actually spoken. They had no expectation of that happening whatsoever. You got to really check your expectations. Do you have any expectation God speaks? I hope so. you have any expectation God speaks to you? I hope so. How about the guy will show up and speak in the middle of one of our services? I hope so. Because I, I just want to believe that we serve a God who communicates with his people. He's proven that over and over and over again. And so he's shown us that's the kind of God he is. So it's not whether or not he's willing to do it. He's willing to do it. It's not whether or not he's going to do it. In fact, because he's going to do it. The real question pops up in our hearts, in our minds, and in our spirit about whether or not we're going to live with an expectation for God to speak. I want to have that expectation. I want to live in that expectation. I want to, I want to live out that expectation. I want to be running in that expectation anytime I'm in prayer. I'm in worship. I'm gathered together with other people. I want to run in that expectation that God is speaking. You see, these people, zero expectation, the first group. Therefore, it happened. Shocked and amazed, right? But just a loud noise. Must be thunder. Because, man, it's easier to attribute to a natural cause than it is to just say, I must have missed God speaking just then. Because that probably didn't even occur to him. That wouldn't have even occurred to him. That second group, you got the Pharisees. Now, they know God speaks. They just believe he speaks through angels. I'm not saying they expect him to speak, but they got a little bit, all right? They know the scriptures well enough 
that they know God speaks to people sometimes. So they got that little bit. And so what they heard, they could discern the voice, <coughs> but they missed the father. They missed the words that he was speaking because their expectation didn't extend that far that the father would speak and the father would speak to me. Because that's how far the expectation needs to extend. It's not just that God speaks, because that's a good beginning, but God speaks to me. God speaks to me. And we know that he spoke in an articulate voice because John wrote it down, what he said. We know that. But see, these people couldn't discern it. They couldn't discern the words. They couldn't understand the words. Like I said, it's like somebody that's, that's way too far away. It's like somebody that is across a crowded room, that there's all kinds of noise, and you can distinguish all their talking, but I don't know what they're saying. But that's what happens. That's what happens when you got that little bit of faith that says God speaks, but you really can't bring it home to God speaks to me. And so you got words, words, words. What does he say? I don't know. What does he mean? I don't know. But we got those words. I, I wish I wish God would speak to me and tell me what I need to do in this situation. It's words, words, words. Maybe he is. But you have to have some extended faith beyond God speaks to God speaks to me. Now, I know I don't talk about this a lot because to me it's kind of obvious that that has to be the way it is, and yet I know it's not. I know it's not because people have all these hang-ups about who God can speak to. God can speak to anybody. God does speak to anybody. God will speak to you. But you got to have some kind of an expectation for that. I was sitting around talking to somebody the other day and they were asking me about angels. They're really interested in angelic visitation. That was somebody I was training. And so I just started telling stories about angels and angel visiting. And then I started telling, I, oh, I know what it was because I was talking about the contractor angel, the roofer angel. And, and so, and so this brought up a whole discussion about, well, Angels, what do they look like to you? And I told her. And uh, and said, well, you ever had any other encounters? I said, yeah. I had an encounter one time, and I'll tell you this story, and you can think I'm crazy if you want. That's okay. I don't normally say this one, you know, in front of permanent <laughs> records. But, uh, but I mean, I was. this was way back when I was first a Christian, and I was still in college, and I was driving in the town I was living in. It was Lockport, New York. And I'd gone to church. I'd been to church on a Wednesday night because I'd been home for break. And so after service, I went out and I was driving out somewhere and it was just raining. I mean, just pouring, pouring rain, super dark. That cold rain too. It was, I forget what time of year it was, maybe Thanksgiving, something like that when I was on break, but it was really cold, wet. There are leaves everywhere. You know, it's hard to see. And it was just raining, pouring rain. And there was some poor guy on the side of the road hitchhiking. You remember hitchhiking? Thumbs up, right? He had his thumb up. And so I kind of hitchhiked places when I was in high school, so I got a special place in my heart for hitchhikers. 
So I stopped because it was so nasty out. And I pulled over for this guy, and he comes running up to the car, and he jumps in the car, all wet and everything, long hair, whatever. And so I'm driving him, and he just starts talking to me. And as he's talking to me, I looked at him, and it occurred to me as I was driving, like, this is Jesus. Now, I know that sounds crazy, right? But I'm like, this dirty, this dirty hitchhiker is Jesus. And as, as soon as I thought that I'm looking right at him, trying to look at his face, you know, like, like bearing in on him, he just disappeared. I wasn't on no drugs or nothing. <laughs> nothing. I mean, I just got out of church, right? And he just disappeared. And the car was dry. It was like I never stopped. And all I want to say by that is I had every expectation Jesus was going to talk to me. I had every expectation Jesus was going to, I was going to see him. That I was going to experience that. I got an expectation I'm going to see angels and that I'm going to talk to angels. I remembered one angel I, we ran into. We were in Azerbaijan. We're on a, like a bus or something and we're trying to get to the airport to get our luggage because some of our luggage got lost. And I was hungry. I remember being hungry and there was this old Russian lady that got on the back of the bus. Were you on the bus with me for that? Yeah. There was this old Russian lady got on the back of the bus and we're just sitting there saying, well, where are you going? She miraculously spoke English. <laughs> Told her where we're going. She's like, do you want a sandwich? You look hungry. You know, like that. So she handed me a sandwich. Hannah sandwiches, just happened to have them somewhere on her person. I don't know. So we're eating sandwiches. Like, yeah, we got to do this, do this, this. And she's just giving us information about the airport, like where you go, who you need to talk to, how you get your luggage, which stop you get off, all that kind of stuff. Way too much information for an old Russian lady with a babushka on with sandwiches in her pocket. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I got off that bus like, I bet that was an old Russian lady angel. And when I was, I was talking to this person the other day, I, I was remembering some of these other things and all these other times that I've run into these people. And yeah, if, if I didn't have any eyes open, I would just say it's an old Russian lady, right? If I didn't have any eyes open, I would say it's just a contractor. If I didn't have any eyes open, I'd say whatever. I would attribute it to some natural phenomenon. But my eyes are open. And I do have an expectation, and I do have an expectation that God's going to speak to me, and I do have a, an expectation that God's going to show himself to me, and I have an expectation that God's going to send angels to me when I need them and when I need whatever I'm going to need. I expect he's going to send them to me. I have those type of expectations, eyes wide open. So when those type things happen, and that's why I was a little upset, I, I mentioned this on Sunday, that I missed that guy at Lowe's until I was gone. And I was down the road a little bit. I was a little upset with myself that I missed that. Because I was so focused on, on working on the roof and trying to get things done and trying to, to, to get the work done in three, four days that I had down in Florida. I just, I missed it in the moment. And it wasn't until like half an hour later, I realized, oh man, I missed the roofer angel. That was all right. He still helped me. That was all right. He still showed up. And I expect I'm going to see something else. I expect that's going to happen. And I continually expect those kind of things to happen in my life. Eyes wide open. 
Can I encourage you toward that? I mean, seriously. Can I encourage you toward eyes wide open? Say God speaks, but God speaks to me. God reveals, but God reveals to me. God shows up, but he shows up in my life. To really begin to believe for that, to really begin to put ourselves in a position to hear and to see and to experience him. One of our values as a church is to make the supernatural natural in our lives. That was one of the old, you know, when we first started, that's something we wanted to do. And we've been able to do that with certain gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've been able to do that with certain manifestations of the Spirit over time. But I really want to do that in our lives with these type encounters with the supernatural. Because I believe that's a natural evolution of life with Jesus. Life with the Holy Spirit in us. Because I'm going to tell you something. Faith, if nobody ever tells you this, I'm telling you right now. Faith must be exercised in revelation. Because I meet Christians like they're just, I'll sit back and wait for God to bring revelation. Well, you need to exercise some faith in that. Because, I mean, I met Christians still sitting around, you know, 50 years later waiting for the revelation. Well, if you don't exercise any faith, I don't know how that's going to happen. Because faith is a requirement in that process of revelation. You know, and you can come up with examples or exceptions to that maybe. I don't know. But there's way, way, way too many this is the way it goes kind of things in the Bible, examples in the Bible. That that's what the expectation is. And you think about somebody like Saul. And you say, well, God just showed up one day and knocked him off his horse. Only sort of. Because Saul had a zeal for God. It was misplaced. And he was misinformed. But he still had a faith and a zeal for God. We know that. We know that he had spent most of his adult life, even his childhood, sitting at the feet of people who knew the scriptures inside and out so that he could know more about the God that he served. And as misplaced as his actions were, his zeal and his faith were still strong. And so God didn't just knock him off his horse out of nowhere. But God could see that zeal. Jesus could see that faith <coughs> being exercised in the misplaced things that Paul was doing. And he's decided this guy, this guy could be a key and chosen servant in the work of the kingdom. And then he knocked him off his horse. But it didn't come out of nowhere. That faith needs to be exercised if we're going to have revelation in our lives. You got to believe something. And you got to believe for something. 
And you got to live in that kind of an expectation for something for you. And that is the exercise of that faith. And if you're just going to sit around and you're going to wait, I'm not, well, I'm waiting for the revelation. Well, you may be. But you need to wait with an expectation that that revelation is coming to you in your life. You need to, to wait in faith. And as far as I'm concerned, we just need to be about the Father's business. With that expectation in mind, with that expectation running before us in every encounter, in every circumstance, in every place that we go, and you'd be amazed at what God will do. Even in lows, or even you know, on a bus, or wherever it is that he may meet you or choose to meet you, it's amazing every time it happens. But you got to be eyes wide open, or you miss it. And so we see from this passage that the Father spoke in words. So he distinctly spoke. There's another example of that. Matthew 3.17, if somebody wants to look at that. Matthew 3.17. Just another example of this. All right, so Matthew must have heard that because he wrote it down, all right? Somebody wrote it down. So somebody, they heard that. It was a distinct voice, words, people could understand it. Same thing here. Distinct voice, words, people could understand it. That's what happened. It wasn't shrouded in mystery. It wasn't shrouded in some kind of code talk. It wasn't shrouded in some kind of a weird thing. It was God speaking in a voice that came out of heaven. It was the Father speaking, but in words that could be understood. There's a Jewish saying, and I want you to think about what you get out of this. There's an old Jewish saying from this time frame. It said this, that a voice that comes out of heaven proceeds from the midst of another voice. I want you to think about what you might get out of that. And I also want you to think about whether or not that would help you in order to begin to discern the voice of God in your life. Because it begins to explain what they saw, what they heard. The people that had no faith, no expectation, what I want to say, no expectation. They heard a sound, they heard a noise. So that was, you can call that a voice. But the best they could come up with with that was it was thunder. The second group, they heard a voice within a voice, but they, they couldn't discern the words. And so they said it was an angel. And then there was another group that heard the voice that was within that voice, and it was clearly speaking and articulating in words that could be understood. And the saying, I believe, what they mean by the saying is that this all has to do with you. This all has to do with you. It doesn't have to do with God speaking. It doesn't have to do with God 
being willing to communicate. It doesn't have to do with God speaking, actually speaking into your life. It doesn't have to do with any of those things. It has to do with you. It has to do with what you're willing to hear. What you allow for in your life. I'm always shocked when I run into people that don't want to hear God. And it happens every now and then. You run into somebody, yeah, I don't really want to hear him. Because they're afraid of what he's going to say. And that's shocking to me. It's like, well, what good does that do? You're going to run and bury your head away from something that God wants to do, something that God wants to say. But there are some people like that. But I want to hear. I want to know. And I've got an expectation that I am going to hear and I am going to know. And so as we're believing for that, I want to call you into it tonight. And I'm not trying to force anything. If if you're uncomfortable with that, if you're uncomfortable with, with God speaking to you that way, all right, you know, your time, your place. But some of you, you've been Christians long enough, and you, you've been around long enough that you kind of have the, something in you that knows, man, I really need to be able to hear from God. Not just, not just get a, a vague feeling about it, but I really need to hear from him. I need to hear from him about certain things that are in my life, certain questions that I have. Certain, certain things that I need an answer to. And I need to be able to hear him on those things. I need, I need an expectation, really, that he speaks to me about such things. And I'll tell you, before I got married, I had to hear one thing. And, and I was young, man. I was like, you know, 21, 22 years old. I think I just turned 22 years old. And I had to hear one thing. One thing. One thing. And that was... I asked God, I said, is this, is this something I should do? I needed one word. I needed a yes or a no. And that's the way I phrased the question. Is this what I should do? Is this what you have for me? Is this what you want me to do? And if I hadn't have gotten a yes, I wouldn't have done it. If I had gotten a no, I wouldn't have done it. So I needed to hear yes, or I wasn't going to do it. Because this was somebody I'd known for five months that I was going to ask to marry me, and we were going to get married in three months or four months. So within nine months, I was going to meet somebody, and then we're going to get married. That's a little quick. Not compared to old-timey standards where you just dragged off your bride, but... (laughs) I'm talking about, you know, modern standards. That's a little quick. So I needed, I needed to hear something. Well, we all need to hear. Because we get, we're confronted with decisions. And we need that kind of wisdom. We need that kind of understanding. And, and to settle for, what are we settling for? A vague feeling? What are we settling for? What we think is right? What are we selling for? Uh, if you want me to do this, uh, let lightning strike, uh, what, you know, outside the house or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know, something that, oh, it didn't strike outside the house. Must be good. All right. You know, whatever game you want to play. The real, the real point I'm trying to make is that there's just things in our life we need to ask. 
And we need to have some type of an expectation. It's like, yeah, God's going to speak to me. He's going to direct me. People ask me all the time about this stuff. And I'm just like, ask God, see what he says. And, and so many times, like, well, I don't know what he says. Now, which group are they? The thunder group? Or are they the, there's a voice out there, but I can't understand the words. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. Because we need to get ourselves in the group that God speaks. I hear the words, and I understand what he's saying. <clears throat> like I said, I was keeping it simple. Yes, no. I kept it simple. I'm going to understand one of those. All right? So, what can you do right now? You can exercise a little faith. And all of us have enough faith to exercise right here and now for this. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray you begin to activate in each of us a real discernment of your voice. That, that God, I pray that you would activate in us an expectation that you speak, but that you speak to us. You speak to me. And I pray each of us can say, just, just begin to pray that. God, you speak to me. God, you speak to me. God, I know you speak, but you speak to me. And so, Father, I pray that, that you would begin to, to, to just raise up that kind of a mustard seed of faith that says you speak to me. That little bit of faith that says you're a God who speaks and you're a God who speaks to me. You're a God who reveals to me. You're a God who shows me things. You're a God who leads me in things. You're a God whose voice I know. You're a God that speaks to me. You're a God that brings revelation to me. You're a God that sends angels my way. You're a God that appears to me. You're a God that shows me things. You're a God that walks with me in the cool of the day. That's who you are. And that's who I am. So I, I pray an activation over each one of us of that understanding, an activation over each one of us of that knowledge and activation of each one of us of the reality of your presence and your voice in my life. In my life. We recognize your presence tonight, Jesus. We recognize your presence tonight, Jesus, in my life. In each of our lives. Thank you, Lord. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. God, speak. Speak. Speak to individuals tonight. Speak. Questions that have been asked. Questions have been asked already. As as pray, God, just speak into those. Just speak into them.
telling you. The God who speaks to me. The God who reveals to me. The God who shows me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray we never grow tired of your presence. I pray, God, eyes wide open for each one of us. I speak eyes wide open. Eyes wide open to you, to what you're doing. Eyes wide open to what you're showing. Eyes wide open to your manifestations in our life. Eyes wide open to what you're saying. Thank you, God. Pray God would practice your presence. Right now, we learn to practice your presence all the time. Give you thanks. Give you thanks. Ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. UCF of Syracuse is a relational gathering of diversity in action. Economics, education, employment, background, and culture span the spectrum as we gather for the purpose of life in Christ. No, me and Christ are homies. That's good. He's really cool, you mm -hmm. know? He's super close, yo. Your homeboy? Yeah. All right. Anyways, so musicians, writers, painters. You know, my cousin's a painter. Yeah? What do you paint? Houses. Oh, man. My cousin, your cousin should hook up. Yeah. So, yeah, painters and other artists express their work through the body of life of this faith community, like the community that. Yeah, so a lot of people. Yeah. No. Started in 1997. That's a long time ago, yo. That's back in the day. That was before I had my eyebrows tattooed on there. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As an outgrowth of chaplaincy of Syracuse University, UCF continues to gather in the Westcott neighborhood of Syracuse. Oh, me and my homegirls, we walk up and down there all the time. I know, that's our hood. Mm-hmm. So it's in Syracuse, New York, to share the love and hope of Christ. Again, we, we homies. Yeah.